Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with God's oath to David as we pick up in Psalm chapter 132, verse 6. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Lo, we heard of it at Euphrates. We found it at the fields of the wood. We will go into his tents. We will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. God had sworn to David by an oath that from his, the fruit of his body there would sit one upon the throne forever. The prophecy of Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it in judgment and in justice from henceforth even forever. It's going to happen. God has sworn to David that from the fruit of David's loins there would be one who would sit upon the throne. From the fruit of thy body I will set one upon the throne. Jesus came from David as the angel said unto Mary, He shall be great, he shall be called the son of the highest, and he shall sit upon the throne of his father David, because Mary was a direct descendant of David. And the promise that Jesus would sit upon the throne of David is yet to be fulfilled and will be fulfilled when he returns again and establishes the kingdom age. He will sit then upon the throne of David, and God's oath will be fulfilled. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. Jesus gave the promise, actually, to the church. Unto him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me upon my throne in my kingdom, even as I have overcome and have sat down with my Father on his throne. So to the faithful is the promise made. For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He's desired it for his dwelling place. God chose Jerusalem. God desires it. And it is interesting, I don't think that Jerusalem is that beautiful a city. You know, you go to some cities, Seattle and all, beautiful cities. Some cities on the lakes, shores, or on, you know, the ocean. Jerusalem is just in a rocky crag. So many rocks, you can't grow too many trees. And yet God has chosen it. Why he chose it? I don't know. 
but it is his choice. He chose it. When he dwells upon the earth, that's where he's going to dwell. That's where he's going to reign. Of all the places on the earth, I probably would have chosen somewhere in Kauai or somewhere, you know, <laughs> Hanalei Bay. But he's chosen Jerusalem. And because he has chosen it, it becomes special. Not because it is special. It's only because he chose it that it's special. He didn't choose it because it was special, but because he chose it, it has become special. See, it all lies in his choice. That's what's made it special. Now, God answers at this point, verse 14, God now is talking. And God declares, this is my rest forever. Talking about Jerusalem. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priest with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for my anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. Now here is God speaking, and in the last two verses, he's referring, actually, his anointed is his Messiah or his, or his Jesus. There will I make the horn of David to bud, as Jesus sits upon the throne of David. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed or my Messiah, and his enemies will be clothed with shame, but his crown, his reign will flourish. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. How sad and tragic it is for brothers to dwell together in disunity. Oh, how we need to strive to maintain the unity of the body of Christ. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. Now, <laughs> the anointing with oil. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, when they sanctified Aaron towards the priesthood, they took uh, oil and they poured it over him. And as they poured it over him, it, it ran down him, ran down his beard, dripped on down, and on his skirts, it just, the anointing with oil was just taking a jar and dumping it out. Now, in the New Testament, it says, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. <laughs> and now, if, if we did it like they did in Bible days, we'd just come out with a pitcher of oil and pour it over the head of the sick. You'd really get then the, the, the implication. Of, of the anointing with oil. But the, the oil in here he is kicking back to the precious ointment that was upon the head, poured upon the head of Aaron, ran down on his beard, even down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life, 
forevermore. What is so good? I mean, what is, you know, all of these pictures, it's just picturesque of the goodness of men who dwell together in unity. How glorious it is to be able to gather together in love and in unity and just, hey, all part of the family. What a beautiful experience. It's, it's incomparable. It's fresh. It's anointed. It's alive. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. So twofold. Bless the Lord, and then may you receive the blessing of the Lord. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. One of the glorious ministries of Calvary Chapel is the men's prayer ministry, where men gather by night in the house of the Lord where men are here all night long standing before the Lord, bringing before the Lord the prayer requests, the needs of the body. Men volunteer on three-hour shifts, maybe every second week or so to just come in, just to stand before the Lord in his sanctuary. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which stand by night in the house of the Lord. What a privilege, what a blessing, just to come down and stand before the Lord for the needs of the body. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. How glorious it is, how beautiful it is. May God bless you out of Zion. Psalm 135 is one of those psalms that begins and ends with the word hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. Praise the name of Yahweh. Praise him, O ye servants of Yahweh, ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord. So this exhortation of praising God repeated emphasized and repeated for emphasis. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord. And now he's going to tell you why you should praise him. For the Lord is good. How are you to praise him? Sing praises unto his name, for it's pleasant. And again, why? For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel as his peculiar treasure. Now we are told in the New Testament that you have become his people of possession. The word peculiar is the word possess. So you are the people that God has claimed as his possession is what it is. Now, Israel was, God possessed, they were his treasure. He possessed them as his treasure. He claimed them. You're, I possess you as my treasure. 
God possesses you as his people. And so Israel is his possessed treasure, or the treasure that he possesses. For I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is above all gods. Now there are many gods that people worship and serve, but they are not living, they are not true. There is one true and living God, the maker of the heaven and the earth. And our Lord is above all of the gods that men have made. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in the deep places, God's pleasure, God's will, whatever he pleases. Who can say unto the Lord, why have you done thus? He does what he pleases to do. I have no right to challenge him. I have no power to resist him. In the book of Revelation, chapter 4, when the elders fall down and cast their golden crowns before the throne of God, they say, O Lord, thou art worthy to receive glory and honor, for thou hast created all things, and for thy good pleasure they are and were created. Now, like it or not, God made you for his own pleasure. He didn't make me for my pleasure. Nor will my life ever be fulfilled if I seek only my pleasure. That can be a very empty, futile, frustrating life seeking my own pleasure. I can only find fulfillment when I bring God pleasure because that's why he made me. And to answer to the reason for my being, I must bring pleasure to God. He has done whatever he pleased. He causes the vapors and, of course, praise the Lord because of his power over the universe, his creation of the universe. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth, and he makes the lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. He smote the firstborn of Egypt, both the man and beast. He sent his tokens and wonders into the midst of the O Egypt, upon Pharaoh, upon all of his servants. He smote the great nations. He slew the mighty kings. He... he in other words, Israel, praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord, and all. Why? Because he delivered you out of Egypt. He delivered the land into your hand. He smote the kings of Sihon, the Amorites, Og, the king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan. And he gave their land for a heritage, a heritage unto Israel and his people. Thy name, O Yahweh, endures forever and thy memorial, O Yahweh, throughout all the generations. For the Lord, or Yahweh, will judge his people, and he will repent himself concerning his servants. Now, in contrast, here is God, has done all of these marvelous, mighty things, demonstrating his power, his authority, his love. But the idols of the heathen you see, he is the Lord over all the gods. The gods of the heathen, the idols that they have made, are silver and gold. They are the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. 
and they that make them are likened to them, and so is everyone that trusteth in them. Now, we had this same concept given to us in the 115th Psalm, uh, where he said much the same thing in talking about the idols of the heathen. He makes these philosophical observations. Number one, men often make their own gods. They'll carve them out of silver, gold, wood, stone. When a man makes his own God, he makes his God like himself. Eyes, ears, nose, mouth, feet. Because I have eyes, ears, nose, mouth, feet. But he makes his God in reality, the God that he has made, he makes his God, but the God that he has made is less than he is. For though he put eyes on the God, the eyes can't see. Though he put feet on them, they can't walk. Though he put ears on them, they can't hear. So the God is less than the man who has made it. But the damning aspect of the philosophy is that a man becomes like his God. They that have made them have become like the gods that they have made. They that make them are like unto them, and so is everyone that trusts in them. In other words, a man becomes like his God. Thus, if you've made your own God, you've made a God that is really less than you are, and thus in worshiping that God, the projection of yourself, you are worshiping something really that is less than you, and then you become like it. Therefore, it is degrading, it's downhill, it's a degrading experience to worship the, your own gods of your own concepts, your own ideas and all. It is a degrading experience because your God is always too small and it is even less than you and you're becoming like him. And so it is always degrading for any society or any man to worship anything other than the true and the living God that made the heavens and the earth. To worship any other god is degrading. You see, men in the process of being degraded as they worship other gods. They that worship them have become likened to them. So is everyone that trusts in them. A man becomes like his god. That can be a damning philosophy or it can be a blessed philosophy. It all depends on who your god is. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we're going to be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Why? Because a man becomes like his God. That's blessed. That's glorious. I'm thrilled because I'm serving the true and the living God. If I wasn't serving the true and the living God, that would terrify me to think that I was becoming like my God. As I see men worshiping pleasure, living after sex, living after pleasure, becoming like their gods, being obsessed by lust. As I see men who are living after power, that driving ambition, destroying others, climbing to the top, scratching, clawing, crawling over others, disregarding others, 
obsessed by power and becoming like their God. How tragic. But we with open face beholding the glory of the Lord are being changed from glory to glory into the same image. A man becomes like his God. It surely places a high priority and an importance upon worshiping the true and the living God. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. And ye that reverence the Lord, bless the Lord. So that should include all of you. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion, which dwells at Jerusalem. Hallelujah. <laughs> so the last of the Psalms, we get to Psalm 145 on through to the end. They all begin and end with hallelujah. Uh, it's just one of those favorite words of exhortation and to praise. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 132 through 135 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless and give you a beautiful week. May his hand be upon your life, and may the flame of love really begin to burn in your hearts towards God, that this will be a week in which you're really in tune, in harmony with him, and that love and, and commitment is restored, and, and it's just a glorious week of, of thinking of him, worshiping him, serving him, loving him. May God be pleased with you by your commitment and devotion to Him in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I feel we are so close to the end. I have never seen so many signs that point to the end. 
Our country is in the worst mess it's ever been in. I said to Chuck, what can we do? Our life is given to the ministry, to the salvation of souls and the walk of Christians, and yet we can't seem to make a dent. Chuck, do you think it's because the Lord is coming soon? And maybe there's going to be one last revival. Hey, ladies, I would like to highly encourage you to pick up a copy of Kay Smith's new book, Colossians, the most recent addition to her Bible study series. Like the believers in Paul's day, today we live in the midst of cultural craziness, and we too are vulnerable to the quick fix solutions of world philosophers and religious legalists. Let Kay guide you through the book of Colossians to understand how the Lord wants you to live in these last days, to love your family, and to revive our nation. To order a copy for yourselves or a friend, please call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.